It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day in which we can praise the Lord. Turning your Bibles to Psalm one uh, number 34, Psalm 34. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you. I'd like you to follow along as I read. They are the focus uh, of our major thrust today in this message that we're going to present. Uh, I've entitled this next series of messages, Stop Running Scared. We're going to be talking about fear today uh, and for the next couple of weeks. Fear. Uh, and we'll talk more about it after we've listened to what the Lord has said. Let's start this way. 366 times in Scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, God tells us this. Now remember, we don't believe uh, in redundancy in Scripture. We believe in emphasis. And when God says something more than once, uh, we must feel that it's really important. Uh, and he said this little phrase 366 times. That's one for every day of the year, plus an extra one on presidential election year. Actually, there's a more important day in that year, uh, and that's my darling's birthday, because she is what's known as a leap year baby hasn't even reached her 20th birthday yet isn't that a wonderful thing which makes me somewhat of a cradle robber but anyway there there we go 366 times god has said this do not fear memorize that won't you do not fear now as you go through scripture this year and I know everybody is reading through Scripture cover to cover in a year, right? Everybody's on the yearly plan. Sure you are. Of course you are. God bless you for being on the yearly plan. Every time you come to that phrase, do not fear, I want you to pause for a moment and consider what that statement, what that little phrase is saying. Do not Fear. Psalm 34. I've even got it ribbon today so that I can just flip right to it. See how prepared I am? Uh, here we are. Psalm 34. Just a few verses. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Now, take all of these verses and think of the import of them. Think of what they're saying. Much like the songs that we sing, and I know I say this to the point of redundancy, that when you sing these songs, these hymns, you should really look carefully at what you're saying. When you're proclaiming God is love, or God is, God is this, God is that. He's the king, the king of kings. What does king of kings mean? Think about that for a minute. Think about what king of kings means that little phrase, three little words, king of kings. What is that? So here we have, I will bless the Lord at all times. Uh, let's see, what does all times mean? Uh, ooh, that's tough, isn't it? His praise shall be continually 
in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now we can say we've already done that. We sang those three hymns, uh, introduction to what we're doing now, and we're going to be doing something very special at the end of the service today. Shirley has asked me, please don't forget, and some of you know we're here on Sundays when I, how can you forget? It's just all late there. Anyway, I have forgotten. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Verse four, key verse, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now let's go back to what I said at the very beginning. 366 times God has told us over and over and over again, do not fear. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles, all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamped round about them uh, that fear him and delivereth them. Two fears there that fear him. That's a reverent fear. We're going to be talking about that in just a minute. When we talk about fearing the Lord, we're talking about something different than the thrust of our message today because we would like to be fearless in our living. We'd like to have a no-fear life. No-fear life. Shirley asked me two weeks ago what I was going to do when I stopped talking about prayer. And I, I don't know. What am I going to do? Well, I've been going through some struggles in my own life. And they have to do with that four-letter word. <clears throat> Which is why we're going to do this series. Because I am having that problem. And if I'm having that problem, I know you're having that problem. But then I knew you had that problem before because we all have the problem. It's a universal problem. We're all infected by it. Even though God has said 366 times in the book that I hold, uh, what was that phrase again? Do not fear. Let's go back to verse 4. I sought the Lord, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Delivered me from all my fears. So I guess we could ask the question, well, what is fear? Uh, fear, our emotional response or to real or imagined danger. Does that sound pretty good? Do it again. Our emotional response to real or imagined danger. Not a bad definition. We can work with that. And there's two kinds of fear. There's two kinds. <clears throat> there's a healthy fear. And the second one is an unhealthy fear. Right? There's a healthy fear. And there's an unhealthy fear. Well, we're going to take just a minute and talk about the healthy fear. And then we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about the unhealthy one, the one that we want to get rid of, the one that we want to set aside, the one that God is talking about when he says, do not 
fear. Now, we ask the question, well, why shouldn't I fear? Because God is saying, do not fear. And we trust in God. We believe in God. God must know what he's talking about. We call him the king of kings. Now, what's the king of kings? King of kings. King of kings. So that that means the king above all of the other kings. King above presidents. King above prime ministers. King above whatever the title it is that we figured out for these people nowadays. He's above all of that. He is above all of that. In fact, he established government. Do not fear, for I am with you. Healthy fear. Healthy fear. Let's talk about healthy fear. I'm going to use one simple example, and that has to do with gravity. Okay, we all have a basic fear of gravity. I don't want to stand at the rim of the of the Grand Canyon and tempt the Lord my God and the wind that's coming up not to blow me over the precipice because I kind of know what's going to happen if I do that. Uh, it's going to be the end of this one, right? Physical end of this one. Into the presence of the Lord I come. <clears throat> that's the fear. That's the fear. But when we learn about gravity, when we learn about our relationship to gravity, uh, we are able to harness that fear. I'm not really afraid of gravity. I'm just going to respect the gravity for what it is, and I'm going to make sure that I don't put myself in a position where that gravity is going to cause me harm. I'm going to stand a couple of feet back from the premises of the Grand Canyon. In fact, I'm not going to stand anywhere near the Grand Canyon premises unless there's a good sturdy handle to hold on to. Does that make sense to you? When we learned to ride a bicycle, for example, we rode, we learned to ride a bicycle. Think about the first time that you got on the, forget the tricycle and all of that and the training wheels. The first time you got on a two-wheeled bicycle and what were you afraid of? You were afraid of falling off. That's tying into the gravity, isn't it? You were afraid of falling off. I'm going to fall off and I'm going to bump my head. I'm going to uh, scratch my knees. Uh, We have a helmet ministry now that we don't think children or adults, for that matter, should be riding bicycles or motorcycles. There's a law about motorcycles uh, without wearing a helmet. Why? Because if you fall off and hit your head, you can do real damage to yourself. Now, does that mean I should be afraid of riding a bicycle? Afraid of riding a motorcycle? Well, that's like the preface of the Grand Canyon. You'll never see this guy on a motorcycle, but that that's beside the point. But there it is. No, we... And then we learn, we learn how to ride the bicycle. We learn how to balance ourselves. We learn how we get so good at riding the bicycle, we can take our handles, hands off the handlebars and we actually steer by keeping our balance in an appropriate way and paying attention that we don't hit any ruts in the road and we'll be fine. We can pull back and we can do tricks and we can do flips and we can do all kinds of things as we learn uh, the use of the bicycle or the skateboard or that's something that I'm of the generation 
So are you. All of you were of the generation where you took an old roller skate, tied it onto a two-by-four, and that was a skateboard, right? <clears throat> Never heard of those things that they have today, and now it's an Olympic event, or it's close to it. Excuse me just a moment. <clears throat> there we go. Okay. Healthy fears. Healthy fears are those fears that we respect what they represent, and we have overcome them. Unhealthy fears are those fears that create a problem for us, and we're going to talk about those problems. Let me let me give you another example of a healthy fear. I come from a military background. Uh, I've been in harm's way, so to speak. I've been in Vietnam. I'm not going to tell any horror stories today, but I've people have been shooting at me upon occasion, and I learned very early how to dodge bullets. You know, Superman lets them bounce off of his chest. I know better than that. And, but I learned how to dodge them, how to get down really quick or whatever it is, for whatever reason, I've never been struck by one of those missiles coming my way. <clears throat> when I was in recruit training, uh, when I was in advanced, uh, infantry training, I learned the things that I needed to know in order to survive in a hostile environment. I learned about booby traps and, and fungy stakes and all kinds of things. I learned about going through the jungle and doing so in a, in a careful manner, a quiet manner so that nobody knew I was there. Uh, I learned <coughs> What you do uh, when you have a frontal assault, what you do when you have a rear assault. What I learned all of those things <clears throat> with the idea that I hope I never have to use any of them. But then, but then they make you do it again. They train you. You learn to do it, and then, well, I've done that. I already did that. I've been to that class. Well, you're going to be in that class again because we want that to be in your frontal lobe. Think of some of those skills that you've had and haven't used in several years, and now you're kind of shaky on the skill, aren't you? Kind of shaky on the skill. <clears throat> so that's, but that's healthy. That's that's the way things are. That's that's learning to live within your environment. And oftentimes, those things are God given. God gives you the opportunity to live through uh, those fears, and we're going to talk about unhealthy fears that can be turned into healthy fears because God says do not fear and we're going to talk about how God provides us an escape from those fears but we don't understand the word escape and so we're going to learn what that is right now okay so <clears throat> here's the damage that fear does the damage that fear does fear paralyzes your potential it paralyzes your potential. Now let me read scripture and then I'll give you an example, okay? On the evening of the first day of the week, John chapter 20, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now the key phrase here for us today is for fear of the Jews. The disciples, now... On the evening of the first day of the week, 
on the evening of the first day of the week. That's Sunday night. What happened Sunday morning? Peter and the boys all made it to the tomb and found that the rock was rolled away, that the Lord was gone, and so on. All of those things have have transpired, and they are allowing the things of the physical world to interfere with the three years that Jesus has been teaching them, do not fear. Do not fear. I am with you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you. I will be with you. But now he's gone. I mean, Calvary was Friday, and et cetera, et cetera, all of those things. And we've allowed the world to take over uh, from what God would have us to know. And it paralyzes your potential. What are they doing? They're all cowering behind the locked door for fear of the Jews. And the door's locked from within. It's not locked from without. They're not locked in. They're not prisoners. Well, they are, aren't they? Because they're prisoners of their own fear. Now, if you've locked the door, you can't get out. I have... I have a double lock on my front door. I have a deadbolt and I have a lock that's in the handle and probably just about all of us in the room have something like that on our doors as well. <clears throat> and I go to the door and don't realize that it's still bolted locked and, and I go to open the, and the door won't open. And I have to unlock the door. I've got to do the locks and out I can go. Well, I can't go out and visit the neighbors. I can't go out and and give the glad tidings of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world if I'm locked inside my living room. Can't do it. Fear paralyzes your potential. And talking about evangelism, that's one of the big fears. That's that's listed way up there near the top, almost right next to public speaking. It's been said that there, there are two great fears in the world. One of them is death. And we've conquered that one too, by the way. That's what Jesus did for us. He conquered death. The sweet victory, as we know, we don't have to worry about death because we're going to be with him for eternity. I'm going to live forever. So that takes care of death. But then there's public speaking. There's getting up in front of people. And I'll tell you a little bit about that in a moment. But those are the two big fears. Well, there's other big ones too. And and one of those is actually mentioning Jesus in a sentence to somebody that isn't here in church. And we can do it here, no problem here. Hi, Ruth, how's things? Jesus being good to you today? And we can go around the room and do that. Uh, and that's fine. But we're talking about now, we're talking about doing what God has called us to do. And the mission is printed for you every week in your bulletin that you're to go out and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't that exactly what the disciples were trained for three years of seminary to do under the tutelage of Rabbi Jesus Christ, and they're locked in a room. Not imprisoned, but yes, they are, because they're imprisoned by their own fear. Now, public speaking, well, I'll do that a little later. Okay, second fear. Fear ruins relationships. Think about it. Fear ruins ruins 
relationships. Genesis chapter 3, our friend Adam says, I was afraid and hid from you. Now, we know the context of that. He'd just blown it big time. He ate of the forbidden tree, etc., etc. And we don't want to spend a lot of time about original sin, but there it is. I was afraid and hid from you. I hid from you. But let's back up. What did I hide from? I hid from the opportunity of walking with you, God, in the lush, lushness of the Garden of Eden on a daily basis, read it for yourself, and fellowshipping with you. I had open fellowship with you, minute by minute, day by day, every day. But now, because of what I have done, I am afraid and I hid from you. Fear. Fear. It ruins relationships. I was afraid and hid from you. Relationships can be ruined by parents. They can be ruined by your boss. They can be ruined by other Christians. How many times have we been, quote, bruised, gossiped about? Well, just that's probably the best one. Gossiped about uh, right here in, in this, not necessarily this room, but right in the room of the church. Somebody's talking nasty about me. They don't think I'm as good a Bible teacher as other people think I am. And whatever it is. Ruins relationships. For two years at First Baptist Church of Oceanside, because I had a problem with my pastor, the pastor of the church, I wouldn't have anything to do with him. And and even though I had never said anything against him, it was obvious that I walked on the other side of the street when he was walking down the street. And people noticed. Relationships ruined because of fear. What was the fear about? I didn't like the way he preached. I thought there were some things he did that I didn't like and so on. And I would not submit myself to the authority of his pastorship. And then one day, he called me on the phone. He says, I want you to be my associate pastor. So, love slapped that fear in the face, didn't it? And we had a beautiful relationship uh, from then on. But fear ruins your relationship. I was afraid and hid from you. Fear hinders happiness. Proverbs chapter 12 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down. When you're afraid... You're not happy. It's difficult. It's difficult for you to say a, a, a kind word. It's difficult for you to make it through the day. In fact, you even get physically tired when you're when you're afraid. When you when you allow fear to enter into your life and overcome you, it saps you of your energy, of your strength. And there's a place where you can all say, "Amen." And even Bob is here, and so he can say, "Amen" too. Amen. It saps you of your strength. Every single one of us has been there. Every single one of us has been there. An anxious heart weighs a man down, Proverbs chapter 12. And then fear sabotages your success. Sabotages your success. Here's where the public speaking business comes in. 
Okay, I was entered into a speech contest as a senior in high school, uh, and I wrote a speech, outlined it, and did all of the things that I needed to do, and then it had to be presented to a group of teachers, and stu- anyway, a room full of people, <coughs> and there it was. I had my outline, just like I have an outline for what I'm doing here today, and I got up there in front of all of these people, first time I was ever in front of this many people more than the 25 or 30 people that I might have done a practice speech in class to. But I knew all of them. And they knew I'd laugh at them as hard as they laughed at me so that I was safe, right? No fear there. But here I am in this room full of people, 100 people, maybe. I don't want to exaggerate because I don't really remember, but it was a lot of people. And I delivered the speech. My delivery was absolutely abysmal. I knew it. Uh, I mean, even as I did it, I knew it. My delivery was abysmal. And I got, I finished, and I guess there were about eight or nine of us who were in this contest, and we all had a, uh, I had a, uh, one of the judges pulled me aside after it was over, and she said, you had the absolute best speech of the night. So well organized, it, your speech was absolutely wonderful. But you were lousy. Well, I don't know. She didn't put it that way, but that's the way I took it, right? Uh, <clears throat> I was I was absolutely petrified, I, and I knew it. I was up there. Blah, blah, blah. Fear sabotages your success. You should have won this speech contest, is what she told me. Had you taken what you had written, that you'd done all by yourself, you'd wrote this, you'd written this speech, everything was the way it was supposed to be, it was, it was, it was a clear point A, point B, and so on, it, every, the organization was absolutely marvelous. I don't want to paint too glorious a picture of my speech, but, <clears throat> but your delivery was so lousy, you don't even get an honorable mention. That's That was my first public speaking event. Now, what had to happen? Okay, that fear had to go away, didn't it? Now, here I am standing before you now, and even if I make uh, a blunder, even if I, whoops, what verse was that? Oh, we're doing communion today, really? I mean, I make stupid mistakes like that. My world doesn't end. It's just, hey, come on, just get over it. We'll go on anyway. We're still going to have communion. We're still going to have communion. I got over it. How did I get over it? I got over it by working through it, by working through it. Now, I wasn't a Christian at that time, so it's difficult for me to say that I asked the Lord to help me, although I'm quite sure I was asking somebody to help me (laughs) because who wants to be called lousy? (laughs) You were lousy. (laughs) Shouldn't have to be able to do that. Anyway, fear sabotages your success. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace. I have no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. turmoil. Job chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. That's what's known as self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? I got up there. When I walked up on stage, now I was 18 years old. No, well, not quite. I was 17 years old. And... 
I knew how to walk. I, I was able to get up the stairs, no problem. Uh, but I was shaking inner, inner within. That's the word I wanted. See, you're not laughing at that faux pas. Okay, within. I was shaking within. Here I am. Set. I know how to walk. I know how to run. I, all of those. I've done all of those things. There, I, but I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to take this speech that I wrote. I mean, it's not like I stole it from somebody. I did write it. I'm kind of proud of the writing, et cetera, et cetera, and and I'm absolutely petrified. Self-fulfilling prophecy. You knew that that was going to happen, and so what did you do? You let it happen. You made it happen. You made it happen. Fear paralyzes potential. It ruins relationships. It hinders happiness. And it sabotages success. Don't you see how they're all interwoven? And yet 366 times in Scripture, God says, Do not fear. Fear not. Good King James language. Fear not. For I am with you. Now, there's a deliverance that God offers. And the deliverance is found in this way. First of all, deliverance is found in truth. John chapter 8 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, using my speech analogy as an example, nobody threw tomatoes at me. Nobody booed me. I had very polite a pause, probably just praise God he's all done. Uh, but I was just as healthy when I got off the stage as when I got up on the stage. Uh, so false evidence appearing real, which is what I was feeling, of course, with that speech as I got up and I knew that my delivery was terrible. I mean, I could hear what I was doing and shame on me. Ephesians chapter six tells us in that wonderful prayer of Paul that we need to take on the belt of truth, taking on the belt of truth and the belt of truth, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 2 says, in the full light of God's truth we live. Now think about that. In the full light, in the full revelation of, in the full brightness, glory of His truth, we live. We live. So deliverance from fear is done in truth. It's done in love. Second one is love. First John four eight, four eighteen says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Go back to our hanging verse. We say it all the time. John 3.16 is there, but John 3.17 is there. He came not into the world to condemn the world. And guess what? You all deserve that. But the world through him might be uh, saved. Okay? Do you see that? So love conquers fear. Courage is fear that's been conquered by love. Fear is 
pardon me, courage is fear that has been conquered by love. And the third is faith. Above all, be sure to take faith as your shield, for it can quench every burning missile the enemy hurls at you. That's part of Ephesians chapter 6 as well, isn't it? Okay? But we, when we're praying about fear, gosh, I'm scared about this. Okay, we say, do you ever pray for patience? Don't we all joke about that? Don't ever pray for patience because he'll put you in a situation where you can practice patience. Hey, thanks a lot, God. Uh, but there it is. That's, it's through, it's through pressure, uh, that we learn patience, isn't it? Okay. And somewhat remove this fear from me, remove this problem from me is the same thing. It's the same thing. Because God allows those situations to come into our lives in order that we might learn from them, in order that we might grow from them, in order that we might learn to trust Him more. Here's this situation, certainly insurmountable by me. David said, here's this seven and a half foot giant. It's got a spear as tall as a tree that he's going to throw at me in just a minute. And all I've got is a sling. And I pick up five little pieces of rock and I'm going to attempt with using those rocks to slay the giant. You've got to be joking me. Without God, nothing is impossible. David had to overcome the natural physical fear that he felt looking at Goliath standing before him, blocking out the sunlight. He was so big. I'm exaggerating, I'm sure. Here's a cute little saying. Fear knocked at the door. Faith answered the door. There was no one there. When you take truth and love and faith and put them all together, fear disappears. Fear disappears. When we concern ourselves, what's the big thing that we fear? I said at the beginning of the message, the first one is death. Well, we don't fear death. And when we stop and we start dwelling upon it and thinking about it, and you know, dying's not the most fun thing. I don't think I want to do that today, and so on. <clears throat> but the thing is, absence of the body is present with the Lord. Do you believe that? Do you believe what I just said? Scripture says it. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. That's where my mother is. That's where her mother is. That's where probably your mothers are. Uh, Father, and so on. Think about it. Where are those people that have gone before? The closest person to me and my family thus far, uh, at least recently, is, was my uncle that passed away just a uh, short time ago. I have absolutely no doubt where my uncle is right now. He's at the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. Teaching Jesus the book of Ruth. That was his favorite book to teach. So I share that. But now, so that's the fear that we want to get rid of. And the fear is manageable. The fear is possible. 
I've been down the jungle trail and able to function as I was trained to function <clears throat> because I learned what I needed to learn. Now that's physical, that's that's mental, and I understand and I understand that. But we learn to do the same things uh, in the in the spiritual realm as I trust the Lord, as I pull upon the Lord and ask him to help me and to guide me. He will show me the way. Will it be easy? Probably not. It's never easy to knock on the door and say, hey, I'm here to tell you that God loves you. I have a wonderful plan for your life. Got a minute? Let me tell you how you can become a Christian. And they slam the door in your face. And you take that personally. That's that fear that you have, right? But we all come down now to this, and the transition is right here. The transition is here. It's here in the table. Jesus has given this to us as a balm. How do you spell balm? Come on, doctor. Yeah, That thing you put on the tooth before you pull it. There you go. It's right here. This is my body which is given for you. Bob, will you come and serve? Uh, this is my body, which is given for you. This is the New Testament, the promise in my blood. This do for you. This do for you in order that you might not lock yourself in the door uh, for fear of the Jews. That you might therefore take what he has given to us so very freely and do with it as he has instructed us to do. And what has he instructed us to do? To go into all the world and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Is that scary? Sure it is. Sure it is. But guess what? Those 21 doors that were slammed in my face in Rialto some, golly, how many years ago is that now? 40-something, uh, 40 48 or so years ago. Okay. And I still am not looking forward to the next door that slammed in my face, but I am ready for it. I know that God, God, I won't die if I'm concerned about that fear. Okay. Because he is there to lead me. I am there under the wings of the eagle, if I can use the song that we sing. And these things that we hold in our hands that we're going to consume in a physical sense are reminders of the love and the truth and the faith that he gives us the opportunity of exercising in him. He says, take and eat, take and drink, do this in remembrance of me. Now, what does that mean? It means the cross. What did I do for you? I gave my life for you. That's what I did for you. In order that you might have life as well. That's what this represents. And when we partake, it gives us another little dose of fearlessness. When we rest upon him. Do not fear. For I am with you. Let us eat. 
Let us drink. Oh, precious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you today. We praise you for your presence. We know you're right here with us now. Guiding us, prepared to guide us and lead us where we should go today, tomorrow. Up until the day that we come to be with you uh, in glory. And we thank you for this wonderful symbol that you give us. That helps us to be reminded of how close we really are to you. We thank you now and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's stand and love lifts us from the fear that we have. We are on page 546.